for that. Thank y'all so much for leading us in worship this morning. And uh, as the choir's coming down, Miss Terry's going to play for us. Our children's church is going to be meeting over here to the left. Miss Carrie's here, and Miss Jada, or as John says, Data is here to meet us. So all of our children that are, uh, would love to go to children's church, please just meet over here. Take your time. We'll wait for you. There's no rush. We're just glad you're here. Amen. Amen. While they're making their way, I would encourage you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's no worry. It's on the front of your worship guide and also will be on the screens here in just a few moments. Hey, I had a real blessing this morning. You know, it's always scary for the preacher when somebody comes and gets you out of Sunday school. You know, that, that means, uh-oh, somebody's, something's bad happening, right? Happened many times over the years. But uh, I was really blessed this morning. Uh, one of my friends, great friends, stopped by to see us, and I want you to make welcome today, but here's what I want you to know. My friend Keith Dempsey, who's seated up here in this nice salmon-colored shirt right here, okay? Uh, just I knew you did. He, it's a blessing because I, in 2005, I moved to Taylorsville, Georgia. Didn't know a soul. Taylorsville, population 300 and something. But anyhow, I actually lived that. We were outside the city limits, Keith. We weren't even city people. We were unincorporated Bartow County is what I told everybody. So we were an unincorporated Bartow County still paid a tremendous amount of property taxes. Keith, you will come home to Alabama when you see the difference. But anyhow, here's the difference. Next door to me, our backyard, backyards met together. And this guy comes over, and lo and behold, there's an old boy from Oxford, Alabama, right next in the heaven boy, and uh, grew up in Meadowbrook Baptist Church over there, and God called him to ministry, and he was taught school, retired from Cartersville High School, uh, pastored over to U. Harley Baptist Church, which is, was in our neighborhood, where now it's Spring Creek, and his sweet wife, Amy, I mean, God really blessed him. Amy's precious. And their two children, Kristen and Kyle, Kristen and Caitlin, same age. First time I meet uh, meet Kristen and Amy Caitlin has gone down to the pool uh, we had a little neighborhood pool and she's rides up the road in the Volkswagen with some lady I've never seen in my life before so it was and so Amy gets out and says I'm Amy I said well God bless you but why's my daughter with you but anyhow we uh, became tremendous friends for us and uh, of course the pastored and was involved there and really and truly what bound us together of course was the Lord Jesus but beyond that we were storm buddies. He had a basement, and I didn't. And if you know anything about where Taylorsville, Georgia is, it's a little bit of Tornado Alley, isn't it, uh, for that area. And we had several times that God brought us together through the bond of a tornado warning. And so I, hey, Keith, you keep the door open for me, buddy. And there's been some times we literally ran through the thunder and lightning and dove into his basement just in time. But, uh, Keith, I'm grateful to God you're here. Thank you. Would you welcome my friend Keith Dempsey this morning? Amen. 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 Thank you. That's just a blessing so much. But Colossians chapter 3, I'm speaking to you today on the subject of dressed for holiness. I want you to notice with me what the Word of God says. So if you're physically able and you've got your place, would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Notice what the Word of God says. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you all must do. Also must do, excuse me. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let's pray together. Father, we bow our hearts and our heads before you and our knee before you today. God, just asking you to speak to us through your words. I know you will. God, help me today to make known the unsearchable riches of the word of God. And may you be glorified through the changing of lives in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, last week, we, as we were continuing our journey through the book of Colossians, we talked about verses 5 through 11 where we talked about how our beliefs affect our behavior. We learned that there are some things in this life that we must put off and there are some things that Paul taught us we must put to death and get rid of. But our text today begins with a very familiar word. It's that word therefore. We see therefore, we say what's that therefore, therefore and it's based on what we have just read. Here's what we need to know. So as Paul focuses now not on what we should put off but what we ought to put on or who we should put on. He describes for us the appropriate dress for the child of God. Now I came up in a time and some of you probably did too when there was a whole lot of what I call clothesline preaching. Ladies, you couldn't wear pants so you wouldn't write with God. I don't know who came up with that but it was some kind of standard. Boys, you can't wear your shorts and you, you, you can't go swimming that same creek where there might be somebody of the opposite sex. I mean, I just all these different legalistic standards that people came up with and placed them upon people that bound people instead of set people free to serve God. Well, I want you to know that legalism and unbiblical expectations are not what God wants you to live in today. He wants you to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ, but he does want you to be clothed in some things that have nothing to do with what you have on outside, but how you are clothed from the inside out. Amen? See, most people are familiar with the phrase, you must dress for success. Uh, we hear that in the business world. We hear it around us, but the Bible teaches us that we are to dress for holiness and faithfulness to the Son of God and the Word of God, then this dress comes from an inward transformation that results in an outward manifestation of the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to know today as I talk to you about being dressed for holiness, I've got a lot of things in my heart today, and I've prepared my heart and mind, I've prayed myself hot, I've read myself full and I'm praying God turn myself loose today and I'm going to talk as fast as I can to get done with what i got to say but I'm telling you, my heart is full of the word today. God has really really spoke deeply and here's my goal today, is I sincerely want to help you, you know that. I never hurt you, I want to help you but by helping you we've got to get honest about where we are and where God wants to take us, alright? So being dressed for holiness, let's walk through the text together. The Bible talks to us, first of all, in verse 12, about our relationship with Christ. He says, therefore, as the elect of God. The Christian standard said, therefore, as God's chosen ones. The New American standard puts us this way. So as those who have been chosen by God. You see, our relationship with Christ is the most special relationship under heaven. Amen? And because of that, it is the only relationship we have that is eternal. Every other relationship we have is temporary. 
Our spouse, our parents, our children, and beyond is temporary, but our relationship with Christ is eternal. And because of our relationship with Christ, there's a couple things we've got to look at. And the first thing we look at is our powerful affiliation. He says some things that are very important because our relationship with our Heavenly Father is clearly described in the opening words of verse 12. He describes this relationship in three distinct ways. He talks to us as the elect of God or the chosen of God. Paul also teaches the same doctrine in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, where he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Now these words teach us that God has sovereignly chosen every believer to have a position of acceptance before him. The word election scares a lot of people and they really try to stay away from it because they're afraid that they might get it wrong or uh, might, might tell us something that would offend us. But listen to me. Election does not involve predestination in the matter of salvation. It is a choice whosoever will let him come amen see when we are convicted by the Holy Spirit when we repent of our sins and when we trust in the name of Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary's cross we are accepted by the Father as a member of his chosen family amen so don't be afraid of that word you need to embrace the real truth behind it see right now the Holy Spirit is working mightily in our world. You say, I, I don't know, our world's gone crazy. It's out of control. No, 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 God is still on the throne, church, amen? The Holy Spirit is working mightily, and how's he doing that? He's doing so in the pursuits of hearts of men, women, boys, and girls to draw them to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He is seeking and also convicting individuals of sin to make them aware of their need of a Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a child of God today, you were sought out and you were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget it. Our old preacher told me when it comes to salvation, it's like this. God thought it. Jesus bought it. The Holy Ghost wrought it. The devil fought it. But thank God I caught it. Amen? So we need to know the truth of that today. See, the elect of God is comprised of children of God who once were lost, but now they're found. Who once were blind, but now they see clearly because of Calvary. Have you ever heard anybody say this? Well, I'm telling you, I'm just glad I found Jesus. You ever heard that? Glad I found the Lord. Well, I want you to think about this theologically for a minute. I don't know how you found him when he wasn't the one who was lost. Amen? He wasn't the one that was lost, and you would still be lost if he hadn't found you. Amen? Thank God he is pursuing the hearts of men. The old hymn writer put it like this. Had it not been for a hill called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost. The elect of God. But he also characterizes our relationship another way with the word holy. Since the elect of God, we receive God's holy character. 
when the Holy Spirit indwells a believer, meaning he feels at home, that he changes the character, and this is the same character that must be redeemed, excuse me, demonstrated by his redeemed. The word holy means that we are to be consecrated to God in every area of our lives. We have been permanently set apart from the world unto God as his special possession. Here's the way John MacArthur put it. He said, God chose believers out of the mainstream of mankind, drew them unto himself. They are different from the world. When believers fail to act differently from the world, they violate the very purpose of their calling. Wow. The elect of God. Holy. And then he used this next word. Beloved or beloved. Amen. Whichever way you want to put it. But this is a very interesting word, church. Because in the original Greek language, this word is a verbal adjective. You say, what's that got to do with it? Has everything to do with it. A verbal adjective, what does that indicate? It indicates that God fixed his love on his children at the cross and their conversion, and that will remain the eternal people of God forever. It meant that he fixed his heart on us. He fixed his mind on us. When did he do this? At the cross and at your conversion. Now, I know I'm a little bit strange, and don't anybody say amen to that yet, okay? Because we're all a little bit strange, amen? The Bible says as God's people, we're peculiar, amen? But I remember when I first discovered Google Earth, it was a revolutionary moment in my life. I had this little iPad, and I discovered Google Earth when I lived in Taylorsville, Keith. I discovered a lot of things when I lived in Taylorsville. But anyhow, I can remember thinking about how big God is, how little I am. And I zoomed way out, and I set the thing to zoom down on the little white church in Edwardsville, Alabama, where God saved me. And I zoomed way up there as high as you could get to the third heaven, amen? And then I'd zoom in real quick on the top of that little old church. And I about had a spell one day, Marty. I thought to myself, of all the billions of people on the planet, of all the stars in the sky, of all of the things in our galaxy, the sovereign, holy God of the universe zoomed in on my wretched lost soul in Edwardsville, Alabama, and he lifted me up out of the miry pit in the clay, and he set my feet on a rock, and he established my goings, and he put a new song in my heart that many shall see in fear and put their trust in him. I'm glad that this holy, sovereign God still believed in showing his love to wretched sinners like me. Amen? God is good. God is good. Oh, I've got to hurry on. I've got so much to say in so little time. Kind of like, I always wanted to live in Willy Wonka's world. <laughs> Willy Wonka, you've seen the movie? So little to do in so much time. What kind of world is that? We live in the opposite. So much to do in so little time. So I've got a lot to say, but I wanna, I, I'm going to hurry on. See, if you're a child of God, 
God has a special love relationship with you that can never be broken. Do you know that? Never. I love the way Warren Wearsby put it. When an unbeliever sins, he is a creature breaking the laws of a holy creator and judge. But when a Christian sins, he is a child of God breaking the heart of a loving father. Love is the strongest motivating factor in the world and as a believer grows in his love for God, he will grow in his desire to obey him and walk in the newness of life that he has in Christ. Oh, that is some good stuff. When you realize that if you're a child of God, when you willfully sin, you break the heart of a loving father. You know what it'll make you want to do? It'll make you want to get to know him better. It'll make you want to please him better. And it'll make you want to walk with him more closely. Oh, God, help us to be those kind of children today. Amen. But it's not only about our powerful affiliation. We've got to hurry. It's also about proper attire. I told you I'd get to this in a second. See, after Paul reminds us who we are in Christ, he begins to list the garments, the grace, the life of a Christian. He lists the garments of Christian attire that must be a part of our spiritual DNA. And even though they're inward clothing, they must be visible to everyone around us. Walk through the list with me, if you will. See, that's the thing about preaching the Bible is you don't have to go hunt something up. You just lift it right off the page, amen? Tender mercies. This is why he says we ought to be clothed. Tender mercies could also be translated the heart of compassion. These words refer to the inner organs of the human body, which implies softness and vulnerability. You know one of the reasons God can't use a lot of his kids is they're too stinking prideful to be vulnerable. Want to protect yourself. Nobody going to hurt me. I'm rough, tough, and hard to bluff. I'm telling you, if you want God to use you faithfully, you're going to have to be vulnerable to the fact that you might get your feelings hurt in this world. Amen? You might even get your feelings hurt down at the church. <laughs> oh me <laughs> meddling now ain't we amen listen see believers must show compassion to one another as well as those who dwell among us in the world we ought to show compassion to one another and Jesus said that the world ought to see that, that he's who he is by the way we love one another but we're also to show compassion to those beyond the walls beyond the family of God to the lost, the lonely, the hurting, the homeless, the hungry, the empty, and the orphaned. Oh, we've got to show tender mercies. And he says this word. He says that you need to clothe yourself in kindness. Put it on. Kindness is grace in action. It's defined as a sweet disposition. You ever heard anybody say, they've got the sweetest disposition? People say it about me all the time. I just seen if y'all listening. I, I'm like, oh, golly, no. It's a desire for the good of others. Man, I want you to know. I want you to do well. I want you to be blessed. I want God to use you in every way possible. And when God blesses you, elevates you, or uses you, it is a blessing to my heart to see God doing that through his people. Amen? It's a disposition that is thoughtful, considerate, demonstrated through acts of benevolence often to people who are undeserving. You ever heard somebody say, well, I'd help them, they just don't deserve it. Hmm. Hey, let me just back you up for a minute. 
Even when you were without strength, the Bible said that Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the undeserving, and that undeserving includes me and you. Luke 6, 35, I love what it says. Jesus, the greatest preacher that ever lived, amen? He said, but love your enemies, do good, and, 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 lend, and help hoping for one another in return. Hoping for nothing in return, excuse me. And your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. You know the reason we must show kindness even to those who reject God and even to those who resist his message? I tell you the reason we're to show kindness to them is because of the kindness that he has shown to us as his children. God help us. Then he says we're to be clothed in humility. Oh, I love, I got a couple things that's really blessed me. John MacArthur said this, humility is the antidote for self-love that poisons relationships. Well, let me just say that again. Let me say it so everybody can hear, okay? Don't leave anybody out, okay? Humility is the antidote for self-love that poisons relationships. You know why most relationships are poisoned? Because somebody is so prideful and thinks so much of themselves that they will not walk in humility toward others. Warren Wiersbe said, Humility is not thinking poorly of oneself. Rather, it is having a proper estimation of oneself in the will of God. See, when you get a proper estimation of yourself is when you take James chapter 1 and you let the word of God be the mirror of who you are, then really it reveals the sin and the things that need to be repented of in our lives. When we get right and the guy inside that circle around our feet gets right with God, then we can go help others. But too often we can't help others because we're poisoning our relationships because we're so in love with ourselves and we do not demonstrate humility. Wow. Yeah, preacher, I like that humility. Could you move on to the next one? I believe I will, okay? Here, here it is. But before I do, do you know who your ultimate example of humility is? It's the best Sunday school answer under the sun. Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 said he humbled himself and was obedient. Where? Even to the death of the cross. Wow. We must review ourselves as recipients of divine grace. Well, you he says another thing. We're to clothe ourselves in meekness. It means quiet submission. It doesn't mean timid. It doesn't mean you're weak. But it does mean this, that you exhibit power under control submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Meekness. And here's another one. He said you need to clothe yourself in long-suffering. You know what that means? Patience. You guys from the 80s, there was a group called Spiritual Bunch named Guns and Roses put out a sign on that, right? Some of y'all are like, who is Guns and Roses? If you're too old to know, God bless you. If you're too young, you don't need to know, right? <laughs> Patience. What is long-suffering? It is wrath that is put far away. It means to be long-tempered. Spirit-controlled believers are faithful to put distance between themselves and wrath. I talked to a gentleman the other day. It means a whole lot to me. Who prides himself on being one who gets even with offenders. 
I would love to say that I was able to convince him that this is ungodly and unbiblical and unhealthy and unwholesome behavior, but I was unsuccessful. But I want you to know today, if you live your life to get even, and we're going to talk about more of that in just a moment, you will live and die a miserable person. Paul talks about our relationship with Christ, but he moves on to this in verse 13. He talks about our resemblance to Christ. See, as Paul concludes this list of godly attributes of what we must put on, he gives us some corresponding actions that should flow from our spirit-filled life that should be a result of how we are clothed spiritually. Verse 13, he talks about how we resemble Christ by providing assistance. He said, you need to bear with one another. <laughs> a little bit more on that patient side, amen? It means to endure, to hold out in spite of persecutions, threats, injury, indifference, or complaints without retaliation. Wow. The word picture is an enduring believer. One who refuses to give in or give up. He also provides encouragement to others not to give up. Uh, let me just stop for a moment here, okay? Dial in here. You ever thought about giving up? I bet if we'd all be honest, we've all had times we thought, the burden's too big to bear. If you say you've never thought about giving up, you're probably not being honest with yourself because we probably all have at least had some fleeting thoughts of, wow. Well, let me talk about what giving up costs you and what giving up will cost those who are influenced by you. You've got to ask yourself this question. If I give up, who might find my giving up as an excuse for them to give up? Uh, think about those that look to you, maybe even look up to you, maybe even are following your pattern as you follow Christ. Who, who might give up because you do? Who might stop serving in the church because you slack off? Who might you give an excuse because they're thinking, hey, if it's okay for him or her, then it's probably okay for me when what they don't need to do is they don't need to use you for an example. They need to use Jesus for an example. But here's the deal. It is human nature for us to look to people to mentor us and show us the way. And when you give up, you give others the excuse to give up. Here's my prayer for you today. I would pray that God would use every one of you to endure in faithfulness so that others would not be given a reason to give up, but that they would be inspired by your faithfulness, that they would give their all in all because they see you doing it. God help us provide assistance if we're going to resemble Christ we're going to have to bear with one another and we're going to have to help others but he also tells us it has something to do with our personal attitude forgiving one another so you got to remember as a child of God we learned last week you put on the new man even though you battle the old man, you have put on the new man. And a clear indication this truth is manifest is when we're able to practice biblical forgiveness. We had a great Sunday school lesson on this a few weeks ago. Man, it's just wonderful. See, when forgiveness is extended to our offenders and not extended to our offenders, we tend to become angry, bitter, and hard-hearted. I read this this week, and I don't know who to give credit for. It didn't have anybody. It's certainly not an original thought from me, but somebody had it, and I thought it was amazing. 
It said this, it said the most influential person in your life is the one you have never forgiven. The person who holds the reins to God being fully powerful and using you for his glory is the one you have failed to forgive. Wow. Tony Evans said this, he said forgiveness does not mean approving of sin or excusing evil. Rather, forgiveness means releasing people from the obligations incurred through their wrongs against you. And let me say this, forgiveness does not always involve reconciliation. Sometimes it's just not possible for a lot of reasons. One, the person who offended you may not be here anymore. Two, the person may have no desire to reconcile. Three, it may be in your best interest to forgive and make sure that you have a boundary so that you don't allow yourself to fall to that temptation of unforgiveness again. Amen? But I love what Evan says about forgiveness. He says there's two types. I didn't put this on your screen, but I wish I had so you could write it down if you can. The first type is unilateral forgiveness, which is forgiving someone who's not asked for it. You ever heard anybody say this? I'd forgive them if they asked me. <laughs> I never forget. I had the sweetest lady when we were at Spring Creek. Key, sweetest lady. I loved her with all my heart. But when I first became her pastor, she had a very unbiblical view of forgiveness, and she said I'd be willing to forgive anybody if they just asked me. But you know, offenders sometimes, especially if they're not children of God, they have no willingness nor desire to make things right with anybody because they're lost and they're living in a fallen world as a fallen man with no indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. God help us. Not only unilateral forgiveness, but he says there's transactional forgiveness, which involves confession of the offender, his repentance and reconciliation. Sometimes, Ray, some fun folks just come get right. You know why? Because they do belong to God. And when you belong to God, if you know you've offended someone and you're harboring it in and you won't ask for forgiveness because you're too stinking prideful and stingy, then I'll tell you what, I pray the Spirit of God keep you awake. The bed would be too hard. The covers would be too short. And that he stay after you and he hound you with the hounds of heaven until you get right with a brother or sister you offended. Amen? It's good stuff. Doesn't always mean reconciliation. But sometimes it can't occur. But listen. Let me tell you what forgiveness will do for you. It'll keep you right with God. Keep your heart tender. Keep you pliable and moldable by the hands of God. And then he talks about the last part of verse 13. He gives us a perfect analogy. Notice what he said. There he goes, using Jesus again. Oh, wait a minute. You know why Paul used Jesus? Because he's a man who changed his life. And he says, look here, you've got to do what Jesus did. Every child of God is a recipient of the free, unconditional forgiveness of God. And Paul uses the example of Christ to illustrate for us the need for forgiveness. Remember what he told the church of Ephesians chapter 4? Be kind, tenderhearted one to another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. D.L. Moody. He knew something about this. Let me share what I learned from him. In one of his sermons, D.L. Moody used a picture of what the Lord was saying to Peter when he showed forgiveness to him. He said, go hunt up the man who put the crown of thorns on my head and tell him that I love him. 
Tell him he can have the crown in my kingdom, one without a thorn. Find the man who spat in my face and preach the gospel to him and tell him that I forgive him and that I died to save him. Find the man who thrusts the spear in my side and tell him that there is a quicker way to my heart. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> he said that's how Jesus, the Lord Jesus has forgiven us. Now it's our turn. We are to forgive others, make an end to our quarrels and spats and to know that we can forgive as Jesus did. Why? Because he lives in us. Then notice with me verse 14. I gotta leave you with this or you'd go home and say, I... He left something out, amen. Verse 14 teaches us about our reflection of Christ. In this verse, Paul emphasizes the true motivation behind putting on these garments of grace. Did you see what he said again? But put on all these things, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. He talks to us about the pinnacle of affection. You see, love is the supreme Christ-like characteristic that all Christians are called to demonstrate. Did you know that? As a child of God, you are called to demonstrate love. And when we demonstrate love to others, it gives validity to the change in our life, our salvation, and it epitomizes the character of God. Everything we must do must be motivated by love if our lives are being acceptable in the eyes of God. But here's the thing about the word love. We throw it around way too loose in our culture. I, I tell you what, I've met a lot of folks, and I bet you have too, that will tell you they love you which really means they only like you until you say or do something that disappoints them. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. <laughs> no, listen to me. That, that means they have a liking to you as long as you do and say what they like. I've been a pastor almost three decades, and I'll tell you why. I've learned the difference between liking me till I say something you don't like and loving me and praying for me and helping me through the difficulty. I've learned the difference, amen? And I want you to know today, I'd love to be able to just make you happy and sassy and warm and fuzzy inside all the time. I'd love to just say things that just make you feel just great, and I'd love to do all But you know what? If I did those things, I would be unfaithful to proclaim the word of God, and I would be rocking you to sleep instead of challenging you to charge on in Jesus' name. Amen? I just like you till you disappoint. There's a pinnacle of affection. But notice finally some productive achievements. See what he said? He said love is the bond of perfection. It's also translated the bond of perfect unity. I like what Danny Aiken said. He said God's love for us and our love for one another is the perfect bond of unity that weds us together and blends the virtues of verses 12 and 13 in complete harmony. It's impossible for any believer to achieve spiritual maturity until our works of holiness are saturated by love. Wise man once told me this. He said, son, you can make a lot of noise without making an impact. I don't know about you. I don't want to just make noise. I want to make an impact. The other night I was watching a real spiritual show. It's on the SEC network, which is where all spiritual shows come from, right? And the show was called SEC Story. Anybody seen those? Thank you, Keith. God bless you. Walking with Jesus, brother. Yeah, as he sees story. And I watched one, and Keith, you're a baseball guy. And you're going to like this, okay, you baseball guys. But here's the thing that amazed me. I was watching one, and I never thought God would speak to me through anything from LSU. 
I mean, <laughs> but I read the, listened to the story of a great baseball coach named Skip Bertman. You heard of him? You got Skip Bertman's, hey, he's a, I mean, he's an icon in college baseball, not just at LSU. I mean, and he, he came there when they couldn't get 500 people to show up for a game. Go to an LSU game now on campus. I mean, everywhere. Skip Bertman came there in 1983. He came from the University of Miami, which was extremely successful. When he came to LSU, they had a struggling program. But he took a struggling program and he turned it into a powerhouse. He ended up recording 870 victories against 330 losses, three ties. Had a winning percentage of 73% in college baseball. That, that's a, he won seven SEC championships, which is really like winning a national championship. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. But he had five college World Series championships and played for several more. Was in the thick almost every year but won the crown five times. One of his years he first got started, he stood before his players. And when he stood before his players, he wanted to talk to them about being a team player. This is very applicable to the church. You know why? Because we've all got a role that God has placed us in, God has gifted us, and we must fulfill that role in order to accomplish his purpose for his local church. Amen? So he talked to his players, and he took out a rope. And I went off and forgot my rope this morning, but this phone charger is going to have to stand in. Amen? It doesn't work anymore, so if we tear it up, it won't matter. Do y'all have around your house several phone chargers that don't work? And you know what we do? We just keep them around hoping that one day that in a matter of crisis it will just magically work again. <laughs> y'all got a jump drawer too, I guess. Amen. But he took it. And here's what he told his players. He said, boys, you see this rope? He said... If you were hanging off a cliff and all you had was this one end, who would you want holding the other side of that rope? Y'all starting to think of a few people you'd like to have, right? And a few people you hope that were not, right? <laughs> I'm thinking of my three decades of pastor, I've got a lot of people like, I'd like to dangle him over a cliff. And like, That's okay. He said, who you want here? And I, I had to go back and watch it quote this, okay? Thank God for DVR. And here's what one of his players said. It doesn't matter as long as it's one of my teammates. And he said, the person you want holding the end of that rope, and I quote Coach Berman, I don't care who it is, Coach. As long as he's a teammate of mine, I know he will never let go because we're one. We have only one ambition. We have only one heartbeat. And this is it. So he walked around to his players. And he walked to each one of them, Pat. He held out the rope. And he got them to grab the end of that rope. And he said, if you were hanging on, you could count on me. To all of his players. And then he took the rope back, 
He gave it to one of his players, Dave. Hold that for me. And he said, who are you going to hold the rope for? Now here's the deal. Think, think about it. The point of the matter is this. You want that person holding that rope to have the heartbeat of God and be dressed for holiness. You don't want somebody holding that rope that's distracted by all the junk out here in the world and has a life filled with unrepentant sin. You want that person to be walking with God. Amen? So here's my question for you today, church. Who are you holding the rope for? Well, Dad, I hope you're holding it for your wife, your children, if God's blessed you with grandchildren. I hope you're holding that rope and I hope they know they can depend on you come what may. But what about the people around you that are looking at you? I've been living in the fishbowl a long time. I've lived in the fishbowl where everything bad can get, everything good can go, man, I know what it's like to hold the rope. And I want you to know, church, I'm holding the rope for you. I'll never be the pastor everybody dreamed they wished they'd had who meets every need, is available at every moment, and meets everybody's wants and desires. I'll never be that guy, and I'm sorry. I wish I could, but I can't. I can't do that and keep a family and keep my sanity. It's just not possible. But I want you to know when it comes to a matter of your salvation, that's God. But your testimony, I'm holding the rope. And can I ask you to do something? I want you to hold the rope for me. Let's hold the rope for each other. Let's have one heartbeat, one purpose. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the blessed privilege of standing in this place today. Father, I count myself as unworthy. I count myself as the least of the least. But Father, you are our all in all. And we cast ourselves before you today. Father, help us to be clothed with the right garments of grace. Help us, Father, to be dressed for holiness. And God, may you give us a group and a body of believers who will hold the rope for one another. Father, may you build within this fellowship folks that love you supremely and that love each other sacrificially that they would build a testimony based on your grace that would impact and influence others and God they'd protect it with all their heart because we realize that you put us in this place as your people for this purpose at this time in history we want it to count help us learn 
old college baseball coach what it means to be a teammate. And may as members of the body of Christ, may we realize that we are teammates. We have a purpose. And may we fulfill it and chase it with all our heart. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Our heads about eyes are closed. Here's the invitation. In just a moment, we're going to stand. <clears throat> we're going to sing, and we're going to invite you to follow Christ. First, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've never trusted him, you're not sure you'd go to heaven when you die, we invite you to come that we might introduce you to the King of kings and Lord of lords. You could leave here a born-again child of God today. And if you are here and you're a child of God, here's what I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to make sure and ask the Holy Ghost, God, am I dressed for holiness? Is there junk in my life that's damaging my testimony and damaging my influence and damaging your testimony as my Lord? God, help me get it right. If that's true, friend, look here. We're not throwing rocks. We're throwing ropes. Come to Jesus. We want to help you find a place at an altar. Pour your heart out to God. You're a child of God and you're looking to serve. And you say, God, I just want to get, I want to, I want to fulfill my purpose. I think we're prayerfully every day looking for God to send folks to join us in this mission of touching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street and around the world. We invite you to honor God today in your decisions. But whatever you need from the Lord, please don't leave here without seeking Him. Father, we commit this invitation to you. May your will be done. May Jesus be glorified. We'll give you praise. Amen and amen. So we stand together. I want you to look this way before Marty leads us. I want you to ask yourself one more time. Who am I holding the rope for? Who would I want holding the rope for me? If you're not holding the rope for somebody today, I want you to know God wants you to. Maybe you just need to find a place today and say, God, help me be a faithful rope holder. Because we got to have one heartbeat if we're going to honor God. Whatever God leads you to do, Marty, you lead us. You come to Jesus as God speaks to your heart today.
going to keep singing. You come now. For today, he stands with his arms ready. Just come. for his word today. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. While these guys are coming this morning, I want to say it's just a joy to see God speaking and moving among us. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, I thank God for it. Of course, song my daughter introduced me to called I Have Been Blessed. Talked about how when God moves among us, you know, and how good he's been to us. God, Keith, he's been good to us, ain't he, brother? Amen. He really has. God's been good, David, I tell you. I just look across there. I'm just so thankful for all y'all, even the other David in the back. I'm thankful for him, amen. Love you, brother. God bless you. Love all y'all, man. Just thankful for you and appreciate your kind attention today. Appreciate your prayers because I want you to know the best I know how. Just walk up here every week and just pour my heart out to you. Tell you I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. Right now we worship through giving. And today as we give, it is a joy to give. It's a blessing. We were talking in the prayer room this morning with all the bad that's going on in the world and all the bad still going on. It's just good to focus on how good he's been and where he's brought us from and how much he's taken care of us when we didn't know how to take care of ourselves. Amen. So as God blesses us and he pours into us, we bring the tithe which is holy unto the Lord and we trust it to him because it's not really that just the tithe belongs to him it's really all his the other 92 is his and he trusts us to be good stewards of those things too so as he gives to us realize we're giving in and through the church something the hell itself can't stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and that big old thing about Google Earth he zeroed in on this church today and gave you an opportunity to join him in his work through giving. Amen. So as we worship today, let's join our hearts together and ask the Lord to bless our giving.
just make a couple of quick mentions on the way out today uh, that you need to know of that are not in your worship guide. Let me repeat, these are a couple of additions you'll need to make that were some late uh, additions we got after they were printed on Friday. The children's Easter celebration sign-up sheet is in the Welcome Center over here to my left, your right. Please come by and check that out and look for places you might could serve. They're all listed out and things you might could bring to help with that. So children's Easter celebration sign up is over here. If you have questions, they'll be at the Welcome Center to help you with that. Uh, we got our RC ministry off the ground last week. Had a great time. We tore up some stuff, amen. Uh, but anyhow, and I didn't tear up anything because they wouldn't let me touch anything. I, I don't know. But anyhow, I appreciate Tim and you guys, the RC Radio Control Ministry. They're going to meet again April 24th at 3 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. So do remember that. That's not in your bulletin. You'll need to add interest in RC ministry. Always remember. My passion, his purpose. Whatever he's given me a passion for, use it for his purpose. And that's another example of that. May 15th, on Sunday evening, that's the third Sunday of May, this is a special service we're having. At 5 o'clock, we're doing a gospel benefit for our student ministry in their camp, a retreat coming up June 10th through the 13th. Marty, Keith, Winston, and they're going to have a few special guests going to join them and put on a concert. Ain't that going to be awesome? 
It's going to be wonderful. They've even allowed, they've invited me to join them. Now y'all not coming, right? No, no, they haven't invited me. I just thought I would see if y'all were listening. But anyhow, uh, 5 o'clock on May 15th, just a gospel singing time, benefit. We'll take a love offering for our student ministry, and they've uh, put all this together and working it out. So appreciate them doing that, and I love hearing those boys sing as much as anybody I know other than my daughter. Amen. I've got to throw that in there because it's not any better. Just, she's just... Got my blood flowing in her veins. Amen? Y'all thought, poor child. Uh, so do remember that. The, the email from Derek is here about the prayer needs at Awakened City. Important stuff right here. This Wednesday, no activities this Wednesday for spring break. I know we got a lot going on, so no Wednesday night activities. We'll resume next week. The mission team for Utah, 15 members, is right there. We put the nut reads there for two reasons. One, we want you to put that in your prayer journal and pray for these 15 folks. And also, if there's somebody on that list that you love and care about, would like to help them and assist them, you can make a contribution at any time uh, to the church with uh, for that person, and it'll be added toward their uh their uh, fee for going so do remember that and we appreciate any help you can do for that but most of all we want you to pray Annie Armstrong walk to the cross is next week Palm Sunday so that's for North American missions uh, let's see two weeks is Easter 6 a.m. on the hill uh, Chihaw Scenic Drive for the worship service breakfast will be available in the fellowship following two worship opportunities that day 9 and 10 30 want you to invite people to come where you be a part of a special uh, Easter day there's a, no, a rent a youth day look there they're going to go to work again so if you need some yard work done and need some of our students to help you Saturday April 23rd if you have any questions where's Chris right here raise your hand Chris Real high. There's Chris, and there's Tracy in the back right there. If you have any questions about needing some help for that and making a contribution for some yard work, see Chris or Tracy. They'll help you. Uh, three weeks from today is our Awakened City Day. Jonathan will be with us. The missions conference is Sunday night through Wednesday. And uh, I'll be mentioning some things. Ladies, let me just mention this off the top of my head. They did contact me about a need for some cakes and things like that, providing meals for the missionaries. Uh, where's Miss Brenda at? Well, I lost Miss Brenda. Miss Brenda, Miss Brenda. There she is, right there. Yeah. Miss Brenda. Uh, I'm sorry. I, would you, I'm going to need you to help me with that, so don't forget that, okay? Because uh, Clara, she told me she's not going to be here for four weeks, and I wondered what did I do to deserve such a blessing. But anyhow, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, golly. But anyhow, so uh, Miss uh, Brenda's going to help me, I know. But we'll be talking about that and helping put that together. So you ladies that like to bake cakes, be on alert. We're going to need some help with that for the mission conference okay Bible reading marathons May 1st through the 5th at Ross Park if you haven't signed up yet please go to that link website if you need any help contact us here at the office or contact Vicky at the association we'll be glad to help you that's a great thing we did that in Bartow County Keith old David Franklin that's where I first did that and man saw what and it's done great here too but we're just grateful to God you're here today looking forward to a good week and I'm just grateful that he's still speaking mildly to us through his word. Amen. And don't forget this, church. You know God loves you. Please don't forget that I love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet all across the house. Marty's going to sing us out, and I'll catch you at the front door. No choir this afternoon.